Sunday School at Second Baptist Church. I'm happy to be with you today. I don't have my producer Clint with me and so um, I'm not in the library and um, we'll see how this goes. It, um, it's been a busy week again for all of us and um, I got rained on twice. I don't know about you but when we got that almost two inches yesterday at our house, I wasn't at home. I was out uh, showing houses, and um, I got a little bit wet. <laughs> but that's okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, so we're going to continue in our study in the book of Job. And I'm going to again summarize the chapters that we're going to skip as we go forward to the uh, verses that are for our lesson today. And so the chapters that I'm going to summarize are um, starting with chapter 29. And in 29, um, Job is speaking and he talks about how great the past was and how, how things were good and his life was good and, you know, everything... Uh, between him and God was good, and uh, then he goes on into chapter 30, where he begins to talk about the present troubles, and how things have changed, and, you know, again, that um, he's an innocent person, and he's not quite sure why God has changed the way that he's treating him, or the way, he, you know, he feels God is treating him. And then in chapter 31, he continues to uh, talk about his integrity and saying, you know, that he's not done anything wrong by going down a list of things. Now, he's giving a list of things he has not done, such as he has not left the, you know, left the hungry to starve and he's not, you know, um, left the orphan to, to be alone or whatever. You know, he, there's a whole list of things that he says, I've not done these things. And so then we get to chapter 32. And in chapter 32, a new friend uh, shows up in the picture. Now, he's had these three other friends that have all given him advice or uh judged him, I guess you might say, you know, with their words and saying, well, you, you must have done something wrong. That's been the general theme of their, of their speaking. And so now a new, uh, a new friend comes on the scene. Friend, I'll say that in quote marks. His name is Elihu. So we had Eliphaz before, uh, Bildad and, um, oh, who was the other one? Anyway, we had the three others. But Elihu is this one. <clears throat> and Elihu uh, says that, or it says in, in th chapter 32, verse 4, Elihu had waited to speak to Job because the other three were older than him. And that is, um, that's customary the way that things would have happened in that society and even today in that part of the world the elders are going to speak first and say what they have to say 
and then uh, people younger than them in a certain pecking order would be free to give their opinions uh, after after the elders have said what they wanted to say. So, so Elihu uh, jumps in and he begins to talk about uh, the reason that he waited because he was younger and I, he thought that wisdom should speak before him or age age should be equi um, equated with wisdom and and all of that but almost immediately then in chapter 33 Elihu begins to I guess elevate himself in a way by um, you know letting it be known that his opinion even surpasses their opinion I think he knows better you know he's a what we call him a whippersnapper he knows better than than they do and he even claims to be speaking for God the other three friends you know they said things about well God does this and God does that they gave attributes of God in uh, the way that they spoke but they didn't say you know I'm the spokesperson for God I'm telling you what um, what you need to know but Elihu kind of you know puts that spin on it to say um, you know I know so much that I'm I'm really actually speaking for God and that's a really dangerous thing isn't it um, to begin to have such a strong opinion that you equate your opinion with what God thinks you know and I mean, we do have prophets in the Bible that spoke the words of God. And even today in our society, we have people who prophesy, who speak the words that God has given them to speak. And in that way, they speak on behalf of God um, to a certain subject or whatever. Pastors, maybe, but also sometimes other people but to go around and, and claim, you know, even for a pastor, oh, I, I'm speaking the words of God, you know, that's a very bold statement, isn't it? And, and you know, it, you're, you are elevating yourself. And what do they, what does the Bible say? Pride goeth before a fall. You know, that, that's something we need to be very careful about. Now, Elihu continues on, you know, with a, a similar theme of saying, obviously you've done something wrong or this wouldn't be happening. Um, and so his, his interpretation of it hasn't really changed in, in what he says to Job, uh, except that it's a little more harsh, I guess you might say. And he talks about, you know, the things that, that God does when a person has been wicked you know and we'll get into some of that but there is one verse that I wanted to point out because I don't want to skip over it without without mentioning it and that is in chapter 34 verses 14 and 15 you know Elihu does what the other three friends also did and even Job throughout the course of this I said last week they are speaking of some of the attributes of God. 
and even though we may not respect Elihu in the way that he came across, he is throwing some truth in there about the attributes of God along with his line of reasoning. And one of those things that he says then is in uh, chapter 34, verses 14 and 15. He says about God, If he should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. And, you know, I that's a profound statement, but very true. And we don't think of it in that way that, you know, we exist, all of us in the world exist because of the grace of God or the mercy of God. You know, with the way that things happen, it's a wonder God doesn't just wipe us all out. But, but what this verse is saying, that if God withdrew his breath from our bodies and his spirit, we would all all humanity would perish at one time. And he could do that. You know, if he became so annoyed with the way people live their lives and the choices that they're making, that he just said, I'm just going to have a do-over. I'm going to start all over with humans and see if they can't do better next time. He could do that. He's God and he could do that. And he loves us and he's, you know, probably not going to. But it is important for us to understand God in the, his power that without his intervention, we would not live another second. And I think that's something that we don't think about very often, but we should because it's very important. Um, and so Elihu, you know, starts, begins to talk about uh, justice with Job and begins to speak of, how God deals justly with people and how if you are having problems, it has to be because God is punishing you for something. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of talk about justice in the world today. Everybody wants justice. And I've been thinking about that as I studied this lesson this week. You know, I do think that uh, things should be fair for everyone, that our, our legal system should be fair, fairly applied to everyone, and that the way that people are treated should be fairly applied uh, equally to everyone. That, that's America. That's what we stand for. But I hear a lot of people calling for justice and what they really mean and what they've substituted that word for is we want the outcome that we wanted and so if we don't get the outcome that we wanted justice has not been served and you know I guess I'm more um idealistic maybe than that I feel like there there does exist truth in the world and it's not my truth or your truth uh, it is the truth and you know I have faith that um, in the at the end of things justice will be served or truth 
uh, will be served and things will be fair, you know, to all. You have to have that, I, I think, idealistic view or else you become a very negative person. And so, you know, when you, when you hear somebody say justice was not done, then you may have to think about what, are, what exactly are they talking about? Is it that their choice, their way that things should have happened was not done? Or is it really that justice was not done? And if that's the case, then something needs to be um, done to, to fix that. And so that's just a rabbit that I was chasing now. That's not a part of the lesson. That was all free, free information. Um, let's go on then and let's begin on the verses for this week. And it's going to be, you know, the words of Elihu as we start off here. So we're going to start in chapter 36 of Job and verses 8 and 9. So Elihu is talking about the the way that God deals with people. And he, he says some things here, like I said, that may be partial truths, but maybe not the whole truth. And so in, in verses 8 and 9, um, he says, If they are bound in fetters and are caught in the cords of affliction, then he declares to them their work and their transgressions that they have magnified themselves. Okay, so he's, you know, in this part of the discourse, he's talking about how if you're caught in the cords of affliction, uh, in other words, you're tied up by an affliction like what Job has, boils all over his body and, and the other things that have happened to him, then um, this is God declaring to you your work. In other words, it's your punishment for what work you had done or, or the, the sinful work, whatever it was that you had done and that you have now magnified to a point that God has done this to you. And so, you know, he's, he's very harsh with Job in his judgmental attitude about the um, Job's situation. And then... Let's go on to verses 10 and 11. He opens their ear to instruction and commands that they return from evil. If they hear and serve him, they will end their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So again, he's saying, you know, turn away from this evil that you have obviously done. And then, you know, God's going to cause you to prosper and you will end your days in, in prosperity. And we wish that it always was that way, that God only allowed bad things to happen to the wicked. And um, if you were right and followed God correctly, that you would just be prosperous all the time. But we know that that is not the case and for whatever reason, God allows us to go through trials. Um, the book of James refers to that and says that as we go through trials, it makes us a stronger person. But these, you know, we, we can't always explain why a righteous person or a person who has been trying to do right 
goes through a trial and sometimes very difficult trials, you know, and then why does this person that seemingly does wicked things over and over again ends up prospering somehow? You know, a drug dealer or somebody that ends up with plenty of money and no worries in the world, um, or it seems that way, you know, it looks that way. Now we know that ultimately um, the person who has done right and has followed God will be saved and overall, uh, those who live a righteous life or try to, God blesses them and they do prosper. And the wicked do are punished. You know, they do receive uh, consequences. And, and we can see that. There was a place, I think I might have mentioned this before, but there was a village that we used to pass through in Nigeria and it was called Majuju. And it was way out in the bush and not very, not very huge, you know, but you could pass all the way through town in a few minutes. And as you pass through town, you first entered into the, the Christian side of town where there were churches and there were Christians. And then you, you kind of reached a line of demarcation and you passed through the Muslim side of town and then you went on. And there was a very stark difference between those two sides of town. On the one hand, on, on the Christian side, you know, it was more prosperous. The houses were nicer and cleaner and, um, you know, it was still the bush and, and still very basic living. But you could see that they had some things and um, then you got to the other side and it was just poverty, really, poverty. And, um, you know, things were dirty, things were worn out. You know, you could just see it. And in a lot of ways, in the towns and villages that we visited, you could sort of see that, that contrast. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to, it, it says in, in our book and in the Bible too, you know, it, taught, it refers to Job as a righteous man and it refers to a righteous man, you know, in some other verses. I don't really like to use that phrase. It makes me uncomfortable to use it because none of us is truly a righteous person. We all do things that we should not do. And it, you don't have to look very far, you know, for me, uh, to look at me and find something that I ought to improve on. And anybody else is in the same boat with that. No matter how hard we try, we're not going to get it all right. And we're... None of us are a righteous person. If a person um, refers to themselves as a righteous person, then you've got to have a question mark in your mind about that. But because we follow Jesus, God makes us righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And we are right before God. And that's really the most important thing is that we are right before God, you know, and, and the rest of it, we must try. We should try. You know, Paul mentioned that we're not going to go out and live any way we want to. 
just because we know that we have grace, that's not the way it works either. We, we must be uh, righteous as much as possible. Okay, let's go on. Um, so in verses 12 to 14 now, let's see. But if they do not hear, they shall perish by the sword and they will die without knowledge. But the godless in heart lay up anger. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life perishes among the cult prostitutes. So now he's adding, you know, insult to injury and to say that if you're, if you're a wicked person, as he's describing Job to be, then you're going to just, you're going to die without God. And not only that, you're going to end up your life with the cult prostitutes or male prostitutes in, in the cults. So, you know, he's just, now he's becoming insulting on top of being judgmental, you know, and, and saying, uh, cursing Job, I guess, really, and saying, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, we, we have to be careful not to curse a person and say, this is, you know, if you keep on doing that, this is what's going to happen. Because that's, that's like cursing that person, you know, to say that we don't know what's going to happen to them. We, we really don't. We might say this could happen or even that this should happen, <laughs> if that's our opinion, I guess, but but we don't know, and we we have to be we have to choose our words carefully, really. Um, none of us gets what we deserve. That's that's for sure. Okay, now let's go on to verses fifteen and sixteen. He, meaning God, delivers the afflicted in their affliction and opens the ear in time of oppression. Then indeed. He enticed you from the mouth of distress instead of it a broad place with no constraint. And that which was set on your table was full of fatness. Um, in the book, that, that one is a little bit obscure, I think, that verse 16. In the book it says, Indeed, he lured you from the jaws of distress to a spacious and unconfined place. Your table was spread with choice food. So, you know, again, he's repeating what he said before, that if you, if you turn away from this evil that you're doing, then he's going to just make you prosper. And, you know, that is the, um, that's the way the gospel is presented by some pastors even today. Uh, particularly tele-evangelists, that if, you, if you're if you doing right, if you're following God and you're doing all the things that you should or that I say you should, then everything is going to be good for you. It, you know, your your clothes won't wear out and your roof will never leak. Everything is, is going to be good for you. Um, and then verses 17 to 21, but you were full of judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Beware that wrath does not entice you to scoffing. And do not let the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Will your riches keep you from distress or all the forces of your strength? Do not long for the night when people vanish in their place. 
Be careful, do not turn to evil, for you have preferred this to affliction. I mean, so he's just he just continuing now with the with the insults. He's saying that Job has wrath, and you know he's putting uh, emotions onto Job that that are not characteristic of the way that Job has acted in the past. Um, he's saying that Job is you know obsessed with. Um, with all of this and you know just um, basically that, that Job has brought it on himself and then the last two verses verses 22 and 23 behold God is exalted in his power who is a teacher like him who has appointed him his way and who has said you have done wrong so He's still insulting Job even with this part by accusing Job of saying that God has done wrong. And Job has not said that. You know, Job may have felt that God's got it wrong in allowing these things to happen to him. And I mean, he said something's wrong. It's not going right. This is not the way things are supposed to happen. I don't understand, you know, why and and things like that. But Job has not come to the point of accusing God of doing wrong as um, Elihu has said here. So again, this is just an example for us and, and an example for us to not follow, I guess you might say, of how uh, you can put yourself in the seat of judgment on a person you can look at their situation and you can you can you know look down your nose and say well you know obviously this has happened because of whatever you know that that you might point out about that person that they've done wrong but the you know the problem with that is that we've all done wrong we none of us deserve uh, the blessings that we have in our lives and we need to humbly always remember that as um, I remember when the Twin Towers were were bombed you know or the airplanes struck the towers and all of that and Osama bin Laden and you know you just thought why why is it that God doesn't just zap him with a bolt of lightning and be done with it, you know? Why doesn't the judgment that should come to him, why do, why hasn't it come yet? And I heard uh, someone, I think it was on the radio during that time, that made the statement, you know, God does not desire for anyone to perish but he desires everyone to turn from their sin and follow him. And for that reason, you know, we should not sit in the seat of judgment against a person because God desires everyone to turn to him. And if we can keep that in mind and if we can see it the way God sees it, then we can maybe begin to share the gospel with someone that 
otherwise we looked at them as being a person that we don't want to be around. Um, so I think that I'll stop there for today and we'll continue on next week. The chapter next week that we're going to focus on, let me tell you that, is chapter 40. So we'll have a, a two or three chapters there that we're going to skip and then we'll continue on with Job chapter 40. So thank you for being with me and I hope you have a great um, 4th of July holiday and I'll see you next time.